I, it's really, it's like, it's like we're twins. Um, it's like, it's like you're my, it's like you, there hasn't been anything that you brought up where I'm like, oh, that's a bad idea. You could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me Prasanna Silly Pants Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? I'm wearing pants. That's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good, Curtis. How are you doing? I've needed some nicknames for you as I'm introducing you. So for those that didn't get that reference, this and other future nicknames have been borrowed from Psych, from when Sean Spencer would introduce uh, Gus Gus, what was his last name? Gus, 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 Burn, Guster, Gus. What? Yeah, it was always oh, Burton Guster. So it was yeah. his nickname was actually from his last name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Such a such a great show. A lot of like pop Sykes culture references. Spelled with a P and, in yeah. on used to be on USA. It is currently airing on Amazon Prime. Nice. So. Yeah, it's a great. You know, if you know, if perchance you know, you're stuck at home. <laughs> <laughs> with nowhere to go, <clears throat> no one, you know, nothing to do. It is one of many shows that you can start binge watching. And, um, um, yeah, I am looking wait. forward to see what nicknames you come up with because I think, like, the hair person, the Bollywood guru, I think you kept repeating that a bit too many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, know, I I'm actually, glad to hear funny. something different. I funny, I just, I was editing the podcast back from October and it, <laughs> and that was one of the ones where I talked about hair guru. Um, <laughs> So, um, and you know, any, anything else interesting going on in, in the world before we bring on our guest? Um, everyone Spe- yeah. speaking of, <laughs> speaking of repeating, like we don't need to talk anymore about my meat aging project. Uh, ah. <laughs> but, but I, but I will say I'm, I'm at the end of the, but the, of the first, first, I think successful experiment of the, the dry aging meat at home. But So I think we at least need to talk one more time after you make whatever. After it's done yeah. and how, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once, once I actually cook the brisket and see what it tastes like, yeah, that'll be interesting. One thing I need to mention is that Prasanna and I do both work for Druva, but this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are our own. And I'll I'll just say on her behalf the same thing for Julie that uh, these are her opinions and are not necessarily those of of her company either. And also, uh, if you are working in your own backup environment and and you think we would like to talk to you, the answer is yes, we would like to talk to you. We don't care about how small or how big, how complicated, how boring your backups are. We find backups exciting. So we want to have you on. So make sure to, you know, drop me an email, wcurtispreston at gmail.com. Or if you're a Twitter person, I'm WC Preston on, uh, or I am at WC Preston on Twitter uh, and reach out to us. And uh, also rate this podcast, please. If you like what we're doing, go to ratethispodcast.com slash restore. You can rate us on all of the popular podcasters. And with that, I'm going to get back to our podcast. So, um, with that, I want to bring on our guest. Uh, she is the next in our series of tr- uh, trying to bring on real IT, you know, end user people that are at real companies using real products to solve backup problems. She has been, uh, like myself, in the industry for over 25 years. She has uh, a BS in information science, and she is now a systems engineer 
at the Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Welcome to the podcast, Julie Ulrich. Well, thank you for having me. We are excited. We, we we've been trying to do this for a while. We've been you know we, we where we 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 tell people, hey, you know, if you want to talk to us about backups, come on. But I think a lot of people are just intimidated by the idea of, you know, well, you know, little old me, you know, it's just me and my backups. It's like, look, no matter how boring your backups are, how small or how big, you know, we want to talk to you. And um, so we're, we're super glad that we, we have you on. And Curtis was also tired of talking to me all the time. That's really <laughs> what it was about. There is, there is that. There is that. No, but it's great to have you on, Julie, because I think, yeah, like Curtis said, hearing about people who are in the field facing issues or trying to solve interesting things, I love to hear about that. And I'm sorry, I will apologize right now for asking a billion questions. Yeah, he's really, he's really good at that. Luckily, I like to talk about backups. I'm one of the few, I think, in the world, but I like to talk about them. (laughs) Yeah, we we had, we actually had a, what was the title? What was the, what did that guy call himself, Persona? A backup anorak. Backup anorak. Have you ever heard that term, anorak? No, I haven't. It, so it's. I, I think it's a more like British slang, but it means it's it's someone who is an enthusiast about sort of a fringe topic, right? So um, you can't be a tennis anorak because everyone loves tennis, or a lot of people like tennis. But you can certainly be a backup anorak, and he he built himself as a backup anorak, which I thought was you know. So you can you can borrow that. It's A-N-A-R-A-C-K, I believe is how that's spelled. So so you've been in and around backups for a while. I saw one of your previous titles there on LinkedIn. You actually had the term backup analyst. Which, which at a previous company, which I, I loved that term. What was that like? Um, that was an interesting change. It was kind of, I was doing, you know, jack of all trades, which we do a lot in IT. And, and they came to me and said, we really want you to just sp- do backups because I was working for a large hospital and yeah. they just needed somebody that that was their core job and to make sure that it was always taken care of. So it was, it was interesting. It was very interesting. I could dig in deep and, and really get you know, you kind of feel when you're doing five other things, you kind of feel like you're not giving it backups the attention because they don't always call out for the attention. And it was kind of interesting because I, I always could get in deep and know that everything was actually running. Yeah, the backup is quite often given to people as a collateral duty, right? It's very, very uncommon. It even I'd say it's even more uncommon today to have backup because just in general, I think we've gone with IT generalists, right? We've tried to simplify things as much as possible so that we can pass responsibilities around. But backup, uh, I, th- I think it's a couple different reasons, right? Because backup has been difficult. It's one of the like the most thankless jobs in IT. And it's one where you, no one remembers the millions of backups that you got right. They only remember the one restore you got wrong, right? Um, and so not a lot of people want to do what you did, which is essentially now did you, did you get volunteered or did you volunteer to become to specialize in backup i was auto volunteered were you <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes that turns out well you know right right it actually and turned then, out okay and i i enjoyed the job and you know when you're working at a hospital and you're thinking of people's x-rays and people's records you're you know you're constantly worried about what if i didn't get that backed up <laughs> you know right 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 so a little more urgent <laughs> And then you, you kept that, so you, you sort of, you migrated sideways to a, a, a related industry from healthcare to uh, insurance. 
did you keep that the sort of uh, focus on backup or is, is it now do, do you do many other things as well i do many other things now as well they hired me in there looking for somebody that knew the backups and at that time was net backup and i had been doing net backup for way too long so they hired me in for that but i also do other things now storage and vmware which storage has always been secondary to what i do right in most too. So. Right. So what describe um, your, the net backup environment that you came into that ultimately you migrated off of, but sort of how did you, what, what was that environment like? Um, when I came in, they had, um, they had a couple of old net backup appliances, like the first versions kind of thing. Yeah. We, we actually upgraded to new ones. We had three or four four appliances we had one in a remote location and then we had two or three in the home office and we did all our backups with net backup through most of those appliances it just was net backup was could be very tedious i know you've got experience in it it's it's mm -hmm. very tedious and writing scripts and constantly making sure you're knob turning making sure jobs are running and not squashing each other and and lots of things didn't work and it it was, you know, something I did for a lot of years and I really liked it, but it was also when we switched to rubric, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is a whole different world. Whole different world. So, so, so was it, so you talked about these were appliances. Did you have any tape as part of your configuration or was it a disc only configuration? Um, everything went to tape as the second copy though, and that went off site. So we had a copy in home office, a copy at their second location, and then a copy on tape. We had a we had an appliance that we backed up to in a copy. So many days of copies were kept in the home office, and then that we kept a copy in the DC two location. Okay, so you uh, every backup would have well, at least the recent backups would have th uh, essentially three copies. Yes. One one on the local disk, one on a remote disk, and one on tape. Right. And then, did you keep the tape backups longer? Or were they used for a different purpose? Uh, no, the tape backups were kept for a long time. Okay. I, I don't remember the exact, I, it might have been, I don't know, seven years might have been the hospital, but I, I think it was over a year that we were keeping those tapes. With the um, appliances where you had the, the disk, the on-site and the off-site, how did you copy the data from A to B to C? <laughs> it was inline copy. But all three copies or to, to disk? I think to disk. Okay. And then you would have a, what, what was the name of the, was it vault? Netbackup vault. Wasn't that it? The name of the product um, that would do the automated copying of jobs. Yeah, there was. Yep. Netbackup vault was the name of it. Right. Cause I remember it was closely related to what was the name of the archive product that they came out with? It was something very similar like it was like yeah, they both had vault in the name, and I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so it, yeah, so your your memory and my memory is similar that it was the same, but we <laughs> neither of us could remember the name of it. <laughs> Did you have any challenges copying the backups from disk to tape? Um, we had the normal challenges. I mean, nothing extreme, just the normal challenges of a bad tape, and then you know you mm -hmm. have to. We were quite often the library was full, so then you know you had to kind of fiddle sometimes if right. we didn't have enough free tapes in there, but our library pretty much ran always full. So 
that was kind of a problem, but we always tried to keep three in there and then, you know, cleaning tape drives and, oh my God, the nightmares. <laughs> I don't even want to bring them back. <laughs> Curtis always tells me about this. I unfortunately have never had the opportunity yeah, to he, work with tape. <laughs> he, he's, he's both younger and he's spent his side. He spent his career working on the vendor side at primarily disc based companies. So he's, he's lived a tapeless existence. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So I hear all these stories and I find it very fascinating, right? Yeah. All the problems that used to be. You know, if you had used net backup as long as you've used, you've done the tape-based, pure tape-based backups back in the day, right? Yes. Yep. And what was this, was this, I, I would assume this got a little bit more reliable, but maybe more complicated to administer. Does that, does that seem... Yeah, it got a lot more complicated to administer. You 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 mentioned challenges regarding like scripts and things, having to write scripts, and and I definitely can relate to that. I have a memory. I worked at a very large software company, like a household name software company. We implemented Net Backup three point two back in nineteen ninety nine. Just prior to Y2K. And NetBackup 3.2 came with a slew of unintended features, right? They, they weren't bugs per se. They were when you would identify what was going on and then you would go to Veritas and you would say, hey, this thing is happening. And they're like, that's working as designed. And you're, you're like, oh, crap. Uh, how do I work around this, right? One of the, the biggest one I remember was we were using all local drives and multiplexing that would fire off a job for every file system. And we were also using the BP start notify scripts to uh, start and stop Oracle. Yep. And so what, what was happening was every job that was running was stopping Oracle. And then the first job to finish would start Oracle while the other jobs were still running, right? That's yeah. And what I remember was writing I literally remember the number 175 shell scripts to, to deal with. 175? The, yes. Uh, over over the process of four months working 95 hours a week, uh, pr- coming, you know, being terrified that Y2K was coming. Yes. Wrote that many custom shell scripts. And, and many of them were written multiple times because we'd write it, think that we'd fixed it. And then it would, there would be some edge condition and we'd have to tweak the script again. And so, I, I can, can, can you think of the kinds of scripts and things that you were having to write? Yeah. Back in, well, back at the hospital, we, we wrote, we had lots of scripts like that, that we had tons of big Oracle databases and you had to count the streams mm-hmm. and then figure out, you know, when the last stream was actually done so you could start Oracle again. And, and then, then you had to, you know, then we had scripts that counted up amount of data and then would dump to tape. And we, we had all these scripts running and I was forever on the weekends checking because something would always end up failing. And then you got to go back and figure out where it failed and figure out how to start the script at the spot you want it to. And, and it just went on and on. And we did the same thing at Farm Bureau more for reporting. We, there wasn't real good reporting and, and I would spend hours dumping data out and then putting in an Excel spreadsheet and then going through and cleaning it up so that I could keep track of how much we grew every year. Is this because, so I've heard this type of story numerous times where, but my question is, is this because backups in general are complex? The backup software doesn't provide enough functionality and each environment is so different. 
It's or, all those things. Yeah. <laughs> all those things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so but, go ahead. The backup software could have done it. It just didn't in a lot of locations and a lot it didn't it didn't provide enough. And a lot of times you were kind of covering for when you knew it was going to fail and how could I script around it? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think when you think of Julie, tell me tell me if you agree with this sort of assessment. Like when you look at like the likes of NetBackup, which you and I spent, you know, a lot of years working with, th- th- there were lots of areas of functionality where they could have totally solved this, but they, they just didn't, right? They, 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 they didn't have, the, they sort of depended on other things or other people to add that functionality, things like third-party reporting tools, right? So it created the market for backup reporting, Right. Um, and I can, you know, you it, it's interesting. You spent who knows how long solving the exact same problem I was solving back in 1999. Right. That that multiple jobs feature, um, multiple jobs, you know, shutting down Oracle and trying to start up Oracle. And you're like, we, we just want Oracle to stop and start once. How do we do that? And you could you could do it easily by turning off the multi streaming feature. Right. Um, and that way it's just one job, but then it's much less efficient and, um, you know, all, all those things. But the problem is when you fast forward now 20 years, it's, you know, it's been 20 years since I've, uh, since, since that story for me. And while net backup has definitely come a long way in 20 years, many of those core problems seem to still be there. Right, they've 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 mm-hmm. added a lot of functionality. Like NetBackup Air, I think, is a great example. The inline take copy is a when that came out, that was an amazing feature. It is an amazing feature, creating two copies simultaneously. But they leave a lot of these, I don't know, less sexy features on the table because it, it's not a show stopping. It's not a people don't buy a different backup product. Well, at least they have thought that people don't buy a different backup product because it doesn't have this one feature. Does that seem, does that seem fair? That seems fair. I can remember before we switched at Farm Bureau, which wasn't that many years ago, three or four years ago, we, um, I went to the conference, the, it went back to, it went back to Veritas again. And I went to that conference and I talked to several people and said, you know, Hey, look, we're looking at switching because you guys don't do this. You don't do that. You don't. And nobody cared. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like the most surprising thing to me. They're like, oh, well, we don't do that. You know, and it, it was so it was really, I mean, it made my decision easy, but right. it was really surprising to me. Yeah, that's it's a shame when you have, you know, when you have a large company like that where it just, you know, it, I mean, in the end, it, it's a company with 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 revenue numbers to make and R&D. When you are a a company like Veritas and you're trying to boil the backup ocean, you, the, the problem is you have so many OSs that you're backing up. Right. Um, I mean, that's, that's, what's great about the Veritas's and the TSMs, which is no longer called TSM. What's it called now? Persona. Can you remember? IBM spectrum protect, I think. Um, and Commvaults and these products that, that they, they, they cover so many different OSs, but the problem is that it's a gigantic ship to turn. And so mm-hmm. when someone likes you, like you comes to them and says, Hey, I, I want to, I want this feature. Their immediate question is what's the ROI for us. Right. 
how much more revenue will we make with that one feature? And generally speaking, the answer is no, not no more, <laughs> no more revenue. But yeah. um, you know, it's just difficult to. So it's just the nature of the beast, I think, with giant software companies that are doing, in this case, backing up dozens of different OSs. It's not even just the operating systems. It might even be like the feature that Julie was talking about. It might have been unique or something that maybe only a couple customers asked for. And it's like, is it worth all the other architecture, especially if you haven't thought about it before? When building the product, it might be very difficult to add in and expensive. And so that also becomes a trade-off, which becomes difficult with these older products. Yeah. And and it's just that every because every feature, so so net backup specifically has the the core like the 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 backup server and the media server run on many different operating systems and so when you when you come out with a feature like that you have to code for it on all of those and you also have to make it work with every agent that you have as well right so you have to make it work with oracle and sybase and sql server and all of those things and all the versions of those too right because they're and, backwards compatibility yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess I just, I guess I don't want to sound like I we're you know we're beating up Veritas too much. It's complex. But you, yeah. but you experienced this problem where you had all of these issues that you were spending all of this time doing. Meanwhile, you have this newer product that was designed in the in the current century. <laughs> <laughs> Products like Rubrik, Cohesity, you know, Druva a, a lot of them, they've simplified their development model because they don't program to 57 different Unixes. And so you you, you went to them and you said, hey, I, I'm doing all of these things. What would it be like with you? And I can assume that they they courted your, <laughs> courted your business, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the the years weren't easy in the very beginning either, because there was a lot that, you know, we'll put that in there if you'll just sign right here. And, you know, and they did, I mean, to their, you know, they, they did, they did add everything we needed, but, you know, we had to wait a little bit and we had to go through some not so good upgrades and, you know, anything like that when you're starting with something brand new. But I think that makes them a little more mobile because they're brand new and so they've got a smaller code base and and they can make those changes where NetBackup could not. They couldn't swing that quickly. They're smaller. They're more nimble. They're also using an agile development model probably. And they they also, they're not trying to boil the ocean. They're doing the the core OSs. Although I will say of of the newer products, Rubrik is doing a little bit more than I perhaps would have expected. For example, they have Solaris support. Uh, that surprised me that they that they added Solaris support. But it could be for companies like you, where you're like, "Hey, we have all this Solaris stuff. Do you want to do you want to back that up or not?" Right? What's the computing environment itself like? Like the OSs, the virtualization platforms, the applications. Where I work now, we're we're 100. Well, 99.5 percent VMware, and it's all Windows and Linux, meant mostly CentOS mostly windows. So that it was a big change from the hospital had, you know, everything under the sun and then coming straight to, Hey, we're all windows and we're all VMware. So that was a lot easier for me. And I think that would made it an easier fit to go with rubric because I know I've talked to people at the hospital I used to work at and they're still looking at rubric, but rubric can't cover this old 
server from 1999 that has these patients' data on it <laughs> that they never, you know, took everything off of. You know, and so I, they're running into that trouble. <laughs> and I think that actually is important. Like, if the IT infrastructure can be modernized, even outside of backup, backup can also be modernized. Like you said, you could now use Rubrik because um, it was all Windows and CentOS and Linux-based, which allows you to use Rubrik versus a hospital, which doesn't give you that capability. Julie, you had asked at the very beginning about how you looked at Rubrik and the simplicity kind of won you over and allowed you to do that transition. Could you talk a little bit about what were some of those key things, seeing how you were with NetBackup and what it offered and the complexities of all these scripts you've been writing, and what kind of led you towards Rubrik? When we started looking at it, we were not looking at, we have like 4,000, I think, SQL databases. And when we first started looking at it, they were doing their own thing. And so I didn't have that piece to worry about. So Rubrik was a very simple fit because I didn't need any kind of agents. I didn't need I didn't need to do a lot. As long as it communicated with vCenter, it was a quick and easy backup. And then, you know, we added a few features here and there and and things we needed. They were very strict. The the hardest part about moving to Rubrik is they're SLA based and they are very stubbornly SLA based which for me coming from that backup where I could schedule a job to happen at the exact time I wanted it to happen every single night, that doesn't happen in an SLA based system. You're saying, I want these backups to run between these hours. And so that was the hardest part for me to move, but the easiest part was it was just easy. I mean, I set up the SLAs, I applied them to folders and in virtual center and everything just automatically applied and ran. And Did then- you find that, difficult to give up that control like were you for like the first week were you just sitting there like every day come in check did it run what time did it run at just because you're so used to setting the schedule exactly when a backup runs in that backup yes i was i was coming in and i'm like making sure because i didn't believe it and and i was i was trying to get into the systems because i i wanted to get in and look and and get into each one and try and go into their linux and to figure you know you don't get that access in rubric when you've got a problem you have to call rubric support and that really ground for me (laughs) i'm like what do you mean i can't fix it so it, it was a totally different experience but one of the guys i worked with he said you know, what do you do with pure? Cause we have pure storage. He's like, what do you do when something happens? I'm like, I call pure support. He's like, you just got to adjust. And he was right. <laughs> right. But it was hard. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that because the way it sounds like the way rubric is sort of forced you to, uh, work is actually the way I tended to design net backup environments. Right. I would, I pushed customers to not try to, you know, dictate everything to say, just say how often you want to back it up, give it a window, and then let the net backup scheduler just sort of figure it out. But it was always a push. A lot of people didn't want to give up that control. I I, I think that the net backup schedule is actually pretty good as long as you don't want to specify exactly when stuff runs, right? If you want to, if you want to specify, if you want to do what you were talking about, suddenly you're really, you're just a job control thing, right? The, uh, it, I didn't but, know that you had five DBAs that all requested that that database could not be backed up at any hour except this one. Yeah, I, I, to- I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I, I, the, the number of times I butted head with DBAs over the years of, you know, the, those particular issues. Um, 
It's like the, have you ever heard of despair.com? The demotivation posters? Yeah. So one of them, one of theirs is like, we could get so much more work done if we didn't have any customers to bother us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so tell, what does your rubric, uh, environment look like? Like how many, uh, bricks do you have? That sort of thing. Um, we have 12 brick, well, 12 nodes mm-hmm. here in our home office. And then there's three in the remote office. And then we have an archive that we archive off to, which right now is Swift stack, which I don't even want to talk about cause it's going away and I need to fix that. But we Everything gets backed up in home office, is replicated to the bricks that are in DC2, which is our other location. And then anything older than 14 days is archived off to our archive solution. And do you keep the same retention in the home office and DC2? No. We only keep three months in the home office. And DC2 actually only keeps 14 days for that immediate DR. I got to get everything back. And then the archive system has the rest, which you can, I mean, from the DCT, our second location, I can do restores going back a year, which Mm -hmm. is what they want is 13 months. And I'm still fighting. I'm still fighting that because I don't believe we need 13 months, but. Hey, I am with you, Julie. I am, I am with you on that fight. Um, People keep their backups for far too long, at least 13 months, by the way, 13 months is my default. If you if you got to keep it more than a couple of months, 13 months is my, that's my, that's as far as I go in terms of anything longer should really be an archive. Right. So you right. said you, you said you, you have an archive system that you're either doing away with or what don't, what can you just tell me a little bit about that and why you don't like that part? Um, we, we purchased Swift stack, which I don't know how much you know about it. It's an archiving system. It's, you know, it's, got all the nodes and we've got nodes in home office and nodes in DC2 and and we we bought it like a year and a half ago and we really liked it. it 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 serves really well it works really well we went through all the training and then Nvidia bought it and trashed it so <laughs> so now we're done and we're still got all this data on it and, and, and so that would be my January what the heck are we going to do how does but, rubric interface with that product is it S, is it an S3 thing or okay um and and are you thinking of moving that out to a public cloud now that's a stack you're moving away from that um there's two different ways we're looking at going that now that ransomware has become uh something that really scares our management we are actually looking at doing like an internal s3 connection to some kind of archive system we set up and then doing another copy to another s3 like aws or something like that where you turn on the the uh the the object lock feature yeah right and Um, that's that's relatively new because of some of the stuff that's been circling around so that's still being worked out but that we're still kind of working where we're going to go with that so what don't you like about you? You mentioned that you have it. You you don't like it. You want to move off of it. What don't you like about it? Is is it just the fact that you're doing it at all that you should keep backups? Shouldn't keep backups that long? What is it that you don't like about having that archive? It's it's the product and that they canceled out oh, on us so okay. quickly. It's not. I I loved having the archive because then I don't have to have so many bricks, which is a, a ton cheaper. And you know the bricks are expensive, so keeping that many to keep that much in my secondary location 
is was hugely expensive. So going to the archive is actually a great thing. Okay, so it's a are... way to go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, finish your finish your finish your question. Well, I was just say so. So the archive thing, what, whether it's the one that you like or the one you don't like, uh, <laughs> it, it's a way to reduce the overall TCO of the of the backup and archive system. Okay. The the problem with rubric and archives is you can't move data from an ar- one archive to another archive. So I, when I bring in a new one, I've got to let the old one expire for a year. And that's kind of irritating. And I think they're working on that. They're working on ideas of how to move that data around. Mm. No, you just have to leave it around until it expires and then you can finally get rid of your system. Right. Which is, which is kind of, that's kind of de- depressing is a word that's coming to mind, but that's not the right word. That, that kind of stinks given that, you know, archive is the area where you're, pre- you're going to keep it for a very long time. So it's, it's really, it, 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 there's a high chance that you're going to swap the thing, the archive thing, whatever it is, whether it's disc or tape, um, you're going to swap it at some point. So you would think that that would be a feature that they would want to have is moving it over to the, to I something new. Last I heard is that is something that's on the horizon. Rubric is working at being able to move that data from one storage system to another. We'll see. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard that's being worked on. Now, when you archive your backups, are you archiving like your weekly backups, your monthly backups, or all backups? Anything over 14 days old is what's archived. So everything from home office is replicated to our second location. And then from that second location, anything older than 14 days. So it could be, it could be a daily, it could be a monthly, it could be, you know, it, it doesn't, it just, if it's over 14 days old, it gets moved off. Even including archive logs, like for databases? Yes. Okay. That's always been a question for me. Have you, so when people are recovering from archive, it's like, say they're trying to recover something that's like 90 days old. Are they looking for that full point in time from 90 days or are they looking for like a particular state of the database and therefore they require the uh, archive logs, archived redo logs, et cetera? You know, now you're walking into my other big pet peeve. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, when we, like I said, when we bought the product, we didn't have the SQL servers to worry about. They were doing their own thing. Well, then after, Rubric came in and they're like, hey, that's pretty cool. So now I do back up all the SQL databases, but mine is a DR kind of backup. And it's not, I don't on some of them, only on development do I do T logs. They do their own T logs and they dump it to an area and I back it up, which I absolutely positively hate. <laughs> and he knows I absolutely positively hate it. <laughs> But it works better for them. It's their tools. They understand what they're doing. When you try to move them into rubric, it's it's a huge change for them on how they do, do things, how they yeah. do their restores, how they, you know. So I get it. It's I'm, you know, they don't want to move their T's. I get it. But it's it's just I've got probably 50 terabyte just hanging out there that they just dump data to and then I back up. It's wildly nice. wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I'm I'm with you, Julie. I I I I I would agree 100% with your pet peeve. My other pet peeve is that no one restores a database from 13 months ago, right? No, no, no. one restores a database for more than a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, and and if you need data from a database from 18 months ago, then it should just be kept in a database, 
right? I should not have to restore a database from 18 months ago or 10 months ago, right? There's so many different problems. But anyway, so to go back to the archive thing, when you do archive uh, in rubric and you do it to another system like that, what's the, what's the, so I'm going to use the word retrieve because technically when you put something in a archive and you pull it out, that's called a retrieve, not a restore. What's the retrieve and then the restore process like? And how, how um, is that different? How is that different than a regular restore? It's, it's no different other than I have to do it because I'm archiving it from my remote site. I have to do the restore from my remote site. And then it, to me, it's the same. I go into rubric and I find what I want and I pick the date. And behind the scenes, rubric is going to the archive and getting the data. And so for me, it's the same. It might be a little bit longer to get that data, but it's, it's, it's the same process for me. And, and why would it be longer? It's just a little, it's a slower disk. It's scuzzy disk. It's, it's a little slower. So you're going to, you might notice a minute more. Is it your understanding that the, the data is, is the data trends tra traverse, is the data traversing directly from the archive to the client or is it going from the archive to a brick and then to the client? I believe it goes from the archive to the brick and then to the client. Okay. That, that again, I, I, I haven't worked with rubric, but that was my understanding and that that also would contribute to a, a slight difference in, you know, in speed. Um, it could be a lot if, if that, if the only archive you have is in the cloud, right. And you're having to pull that down from the cloud as well. Um, but it is interesting that your, it sounds like your restore process is the same. It's just that if you do restore from something that has been archived, the back end process is going to be different, but it is nice to hear that, you know, your, <laughs> that your workflow is the same. Yeah. Um, the strong points of, of rubric are, you know, all the new features. You can live mount a server back in, in two seconds. I mean, you can, and, and it's running on rubric storage. So it's a slower, it's going to be a slower run, but you have your server back instantaneously. And I'm sure with I mean, your VMware environment, I'm, do you use that feature a lot? Yes, all the time. Our entire DR is is based on it right now. We have a script that will basically... It looks at a list of servers that we try to keep up to date and you know how that goes of what <laughs> is important. And then it will go through and live mount all those servers at our DR location. And then in the background, after they're all live mounted, then we move, we view motion them over to storage in our DR location. But and to get them there, get everything up and to get everything talking, we do it with a live motion. So it's up in several minutes and then we view motion behind the scenes. And then what kind of, like, how many servers, how many VMs are you doing that with? And what's that, I, you know, I would expect the performance obviously be different because you're coming off of backup storage. How, like, have you, have you pushed the limits of that? What, what, what do you think there? Yeah, we have, we have pushed the limits and we, <laughs> we, we restored 250 servers one day, all at one, all at one time, just, just for the heck of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we pretty much we pretty much slowed it all to a crawl. We do it now in stages. You know, we get the you know the infrastructure up first, and we do, but it, we it it handles it. It actually handles it. The servers do react very slowly in the until they're migrated over, but they are you know for an AD server at least you've got an AD server so that other people can start bringing things up. So, 
so you you are yeah so you are using it as your dr plan uh and it sounds like you've just sort of modified that plan so that you do a certain number of servers um what do do you have a number like is is it related to the size of the rubric appliance i'm assuming um, right now, it's just related to what we need up first. There's, you know, a list of ser- servers that are deemed stage zero critical. Okay. And, you know, AD and those in firewall and those kind of things. And those are done first. And then it's broken up into five or six other groups after that. Um, some of the big, huge file servers and, and things like that, I do a different way. I use pure storage just because they're, it would take 24 hours to restore all that data. Mm-hmm. We, we use um, VVALs on pure storage so that I can recreate it on the other end. Help me understand that. What I, I guess I, I got lost. So what are you using pure storage for? Um, we have pure storage in our, our remote location in our home office. And so we replicate, we use VVALs, which is in- Oh, VVALs, in, okay. Yeah. And we, we replicate certain VVALs to our other location and then I can create them if, if something were to happen at home office, I can create those VMs using those VVALs at the other location. Okay. And so it's, it's a, it's sort of even faster than, yeah, array-based replication and doing that. Or do you do that for certain workloads or you do that just sort of as a backup for the backup? I do that for the larger work, the larger servers, the file servers that are eight terabyte and the, you know, the SQL dump areas that are 20 terabyte. Those are the ones I do that for. Gotcha. How do you determine then what sort of gets array-based replication versus backup-based DR? Is it based only on size or is there some other metric like in terms of, because I guess from an RTO perspective uh, with live mount, you're getting it up and running within a couple of minutes. So that's probably good enough in most cases, correct? It's mainly by size. There is like the SQL dump area, the critical SQL databases that I know they're going to have to restore. We can't just put the VM back and have it work. Hmm. Those are, I have that replicating with pure just because I can get that server back up and they can begin some of their work as servers appear. Help me understand why, what's, what does size have to do with it? Size of the server is, is just yeah. What that. yeah? What does the size of the server have to do with the live mount piece? Um, the live mount is restored using um, rubric disk, and then you have right. to vmotion it to the other disk. And so it's, it's in okay. a terabyte server is huge. It takes okay. a ton of time. So the rubric works. piece would work the same, but vmotioning it over would take longer. Is yep. that okay? All right. Yep. That was the part I was missing. All right. That makes it, sense. It kills it. You know, for that eight, 10 hours, it, it, that you don't have a very good performance because you're remotioning. Right. Who needs performance? What about, <laughs> so when you, you mentioned, you mentioned a DR site, is that a cloud-based system? Or is that a, another data center? What, what's that like? Right now it's a colo. It's uh-huh. an actual data center that we colo. So we've got, I don't know, 10 racks, five racks. I don't remember how many racks. Right. <laughs> We have stuff there. the The thought process is that would go in the cloud eventually. Mm-hmm. Do you test your DR every year? <laughs> and what does nice. that look like? I know Curtis talks about his past experience where <laughs> they would have a DR plan and someone would try to execute it, assuming Curtis wasn't around, and they would never be able to get all the way through it without asking Curtis for help. 
how does your DR testing work? <laughs> we are, most of our team is involved in it. There's, you know, there's five or six of us on the infrastructure team now, and, and most of us are involved in it. There may be one or two that stay back, but we, we write, you know, we spend like any test, it's not a real test because we spend two weeks before the test, making sure all the scripts are running and practicing. So <laughs> the day it goes off without a hitch. So <laughs> I mean, which, is, which is okay. You're at least going back and looking and making sure everything is working, right? So right. <laughs> at least we're testing it to do a live scale one, and and we'll our network guy sets up an area that we can go sit in, and we actually do a total restore, and we always find problems. Hmm. And it the the thing is every year is what do you want to restore? What's business critical? What do you want to test? And and that's really hard information to get from the others the business side. So how good are the tests? I don't know. We do do a test and we can get our infrastructure up. Can we get exactly what they need remains to really to be seen. So if, if you, it sounds like you're pretty happy, you know, comparing your, your happiness with your net backup environment versus your happiness with your rubric environment. It sounds like you're a pretty happy customer. You know, if there was, if there were one or two things that they don't yet do that you wish they did, what would that be? You know, I haven't had, I used to keep an ongoing wish list with Rubrik and I haven't had to do that lately. Well, that's um, good. Lately, I've had issues with some of their upgrades and that scares me. Just I, I just think they're getting bigger and some of the upgrades are not, it's not something I jump on right away. Like when we first did it, an upgrade came out, I put it in the next day. I mean, I was that secure in it and I'm not anymore. I got burned pretty bad on a big upgrade. So what, I wish what does being burned mean? I, I we did an upgrade and I did it in the middle of the day because I trusted it and it kicked off after the upgrade, it kicked off four thousand database backups all oh. at like two o'clock in the afternoon and just killed the network. I'm sure that made you <laughs> super popular with the network and the database people. Yes. <laughs> and it took us because it was backups and it kept moving around from server to server to server, you know, when you're looking at the network it's really hard to track down that that's what it was. So it, yeah, it was a nightmare and we got caught. And so we're, we're very careful with that. Now there are a lot of things on the SQL piece that I wish were there. Um, they don't, and maybe it's just us. We do a lot of really strange things to get batch done at night because we still have a mainframe. And so we have to do batch at night. And we do a lot of weird things like do a backup, load a bunch of data, do another backup, load a bunch of data. And that's really hard to do in rubric and you can't do it fast enough. Oh, right. It, so, it goes back to your sort of core, the, the core difference between net backup and rubric. Yeah. Right. Cause they, but they have APIs for that stuff, right? Can't you just via an API kick off a backup? They, they do. It's, it's just, Again, a ton of scripting to do yeah, to make okay. it work. Again, make it the scripting out. that you were trying to get away from, <laughs> right? But is but is that is that a limitation of their product, or is that just sort of like you said, a unique way that whole thing of like we have to do this backup exactly at this time? It's it's just the part in their product that we really wanted was tags, so that we could tag. You know, this is before we loaded this data, and then you know, so that you could get back to a certain spot and not have oh. to know the exact time. Oh, by the way, speaking of, sorry to interrupt, but just speaking of getting back to a certain spot, what was your, when you said you got burned that time, what was the, the could you 
back, uh, what do you call it? Downgrade? Could you downgrade? What was your, yeah, revert. What was your, how did you get out of that mess? They didn't end up, I called, I called them and and said, you know, hey, everything's going crazy. And they, they were the ones that actually figured it out and they turned off that new feature. It was a new feature. Oh, you know, working as expected. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to know that continues to happen to people. Yeah. And they just didn't stage it. They just threw it all out there. And so it just was, it was working as expected. They just didn't gently ease into it. So they just didn't didn't expect it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. Interesting. Julie, is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? Um, The one thing I did want to talk about is um, Office 365 and OneDrive. Currently, we are not, I am not backing that stuff up with our enterprise system. We rely on the cloud-based system to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, Rubric, we we do want to back that up. I would love to have those backups so that I can give those restores if something were to happen. Um, Rubric doesn't have that available. They are right now working on Office 365, which I have seen beta but I would like to see, you know, OneDrive and Teams and those kind of things come along quickly. Yeah, um, we we talk about this quite a bit. It's Curtis's um, favorite topic. Yeah, <laughs> Julius is, is that, uh, and I'm glad to hear that you. I, it's really, it's like, it's like we're twins. Um, it's like, it's like you're, it's like you, there hasn't been anything that you brought up where I'm like, oh, that's a bad idea. Uh, it sounds like all of the same complaints and issues that you have are all the same complaints that, that I have. Um, so, so that's awesome. The, um, where, where, where was I going? Oh, one of the things that we struggle with is when people in your position say, well, Microsoft is backing that up for me. Yeah, no, they're not. Right. Uh, they, they have essentially a recycle bin and but they're not backing it up in anything that would match my definition of a backup, which would mean something that's stored in an alternate location. Right. Um, and, and by the way, I don't even mean like a DR copy. They don't store your data in anything else other than the. It, it's essentially a giant database. Um, and when you delete data and it goes into the recycle bin or even if you're using retention policies, all you're really doing is flagging a record that it's deleted and it's flagged as deleted. It's still in the same database. It's just one giant database. And so there are a lot of convenience restore features, but there's nothing that you and I would consider to be backup that is offered in Microsoft 365. And by the way, that is their new branded name. They changed it from Office 365, Microsoft 365, I don't remember, sometime last year. Um, So I probably didn't make you feel any better by saying no. all of that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anytime you, you see a ticket come through, you know, when you get tickets for restores and they're like, oh, can you restore something off of, you know, out of my mail? Or And I'm like, I just cringe. And I don't yeah. like that feeling. I like to be able to know that I can get something back for them. And a lot of times we have to tell them no. I would say of all of the SaaS products, they have the most convenience restore features, right? So you can use retention policies and you can say that every email, every file, every object is kept for 90 days, regardless of what the, or whatever you can pick, you can pick the time, right? You could say 90 days or a year, but you can also undo that, right? You can go <laughs> as an administrator and change that, right? Uh, right? And you can accidentally do it. And there have been cases where people have accidentally done it and deleted um, hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, records, right? 
and so I, I so I'm with you. I, I I wish you the best of luck there in terms of uh, backing up Microsoft 365. Um, and um, uh, with that, I want to we'll end things here. And with that, Julie, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been great. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. So, and I will also thank our listeners. Thank you for um, putting up with us for, uh, this is now, we've we've done this, I I think it's about 18 months, right? Persona, but we've now, so this is the end. We're we're recording this right at the end of the worst year in in all of the years. Yeah. We we do we look forward to the next year. We know it's also going to be bad. It's I I just don't think it's going to be as bad as 2020 and I I I look forward to tomorrow tomorrow there's tomorrow. But yeah, so this podcast will actually air later than that, but we're recording it right here at the end. Um so yeah, thanks to all the listeners for all of your listening and be sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. System isn't worth a spade. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead, it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spade. It'll be completely done Maybe one day it-